Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Luke 6, Luke 6, go there and then we'll jump back to Luke 5. If I, if I read this, then I'll feel like I can let you be seated. And my mom would tell me to let you be seated. So, verse 13, and when, 6, 13, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. Notice, notice in your own Bible study and in your own time that in verse 12, he had went alone and spent time in prayer. Before the selection and the naming of the apostles, the, the disciples had grown in vast multitude, many, many disciples, but then he began to select out 12, those apostles from them, but it came after a season of prayer. Christ was modeling for us the selection of leadership should be on the heels of prayer. He chooses unto him, calls those disciples, chooses 12 whom he also named apostles. Simon, who he also named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, called Zelotus, Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Which also was the traitor. I want to, I want to preach to you. We've been preaching about following Jesus this month. It's our greatest calling. How many know that's right? To follow Jesus. But I want to talk to you about a significant choice today. It's the choice to be a disciple. The choice to be a disciple. Turn to somebody you haven't talked to yet. Smile real big. Show them every tooth you own. Come on, give it to them. Coffee, teeth, and I'll give it to them. Smile real big. Tell them these words. Tell them it's your choice. Come on, tell them it's your choice. Pray with me all over the house that the word could do its work. God, we love you. We thank you for what we felt in this place already. I pray that you'd help me, O oh Lord, to do a, 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 a good opportunity, a good job in this opportunity to deliver your word. Oh, I feel your presence in this place. I pray that you'd speak to us, speak through me. Let me be your messenger for this moment. I pray that men and women would respond to the word of God, that we would draw close to you, that we would choose to follow you. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated here today. It is a choice to be a disciple. It is a choice to be a disciple. God does not force people to follow him. It's one of the most amazing things about God. 
Does he have the power, Brother Zach? Absolutely he has the power, but he does not force people to follow God, to follow him, or to follow after him, or to follow the will of God. Typically it is used or utilized at graduations. It is, it is a, a poem by a gentleman named Robert Frost, and many of you mentally, your mind goes there, the road not taken, and I didn't really get poetry when I was younger or understand it, but there was something about the writings of Robert Frost. Those of you who ever read him or liked his work, you know that he spent time writing about nature. Much of his writing was focused on the outdoor, and, and it's in this particular poem, although all of the stanzas would not work in unison with our thought today. There is a concept here that does work. It's in the opening where he writes two roads diverged in a yellow wood and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy wanted wear, though as for the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Choosing Christ is to choose the narrow way. Choosing Christ has never been the popular choice. One brief blimp on the radar, one, one tiny speck of time on the radar. It seems as though it was the popular choice to make. But even then, the persecution outweighed the prominence. Following Christ has never been the most well-trodden path. But I will tell you, it has always been the most important path. Following Christ has always been the right choice. Somebody say amen. amen. Following after the will of God has always been right. People have a tendency. People in the world, and if we're not careful, even people in the church have a tendency to want eternal Change. What do you mean by that? I mean heaven. They want an eternal change without life change, which means action. I want eternal change, but I do not want life change. And because we are in our finite minds and our own thinking, our stringing together of days and weeks and months can feel too overwhelming and the challenge of living separate or living righteous or living godly, if you will, can seem too overwhelming uh, to really follow after God. 
But if we would lay our 70, 80, 90 years on the balance or on the scales with eternity, how many know that if we could lay one lifetime, let's even travel back to old Methuselah. If you would lay that life on the scale with eternity, life is not too long to live righteous before the Lord when eternity is at stake. That's why I don't think that we should cower down with every wind of doctrine. That's why I don't think we should change our belief every time somebody gets a new revelation. I don't think that we should be something less than Pentecostal because some people don't believe that it is proficient in today's generation. I don't think that we... I don't think that we need light shows to make him more powerful. I don't think that we need smoke to make him more powerful. I don't think that... We're going to update the carpet and we're going to update the pews. But that has nothing to do with the power of God. He's all powerful by himself. We're not trying to manufacture a different God to follow. Somebody say he's all powerful. He's all powerful. Yes, he is. He walks by and he begins to... He begins to call the disciples and the disciples are going to have a choice. It was a giant Christian denomination, Brother Devin, that uh, had missionaries that were overseas and they were, they were not prepared. But after a couple of different missionaries from different regions had been overseas for a long period of time, this, this giant Christian denomination came under lawsuit from two different missionaries. One of the missionaries had worked with a team of attorneys and was suing this denomination and their lawsuit was based on the fact that they had gathered ulcers in their stomach from the food that they ate while they were in the mission field of their service. They came back and it was supposed to be some remuneration for what had happened to their stomach because of the food that they ate while they were there. Another missionary from another region, a tropical region, had developed a place of skin cancer. And I'm not saying it wasn't a terrible thing. It was a terrible thing, but had developed skin cancer and came back to the States and worked with a team of attorneys and began to sue that Christian denomination because of the skin cancer, that the treatment that was done. I'm not talking about insurance. Insurance was there, but it was above and beyond. Remuneration for what had been endured in her area of service. One of the elders of the denomination said, I'm grieved in my spirit that missionaries who were once willing to give their life Wives decided that their stomachs and skin did not count. I think the question for everybody in this room is, when we tell him that we will follow him, what limitations are placed upon that follow? I will follow you as long as it does not cost me my relationship. I will follow you as long as it does not cost me my job. I will follow you as long as it does not cost me popularity. My, our young people are in here. I will preach to them a little bit too. I will follow you as long as it does not cost me a spot on the varsity. Pro I will follow you unless it's inconvenient for me. That's not how discipleship works. Need you to hear me right now. Believer and disciple are not synonymous. To be a believer does not mean that you are a disciple. 
To be a believer means that you should become a disciple. But just because you are a believer does not mean you are automatically a disciple. If you are a disciple, and if I am a disciple, it means that I begin to institute the discipline of following after Christ. I will tell you as the pastor of this church what my prayer to God has been over and over this week. I want to be a righteous man. I want to wake with you on my mind. I want to lay down with you on my mind. I, I was praying privately with the Lord the prayer of David. I want you to make the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Not just what people hear. I want you to be blessed by what I say but not just what you hear. What's in my heart. I, I need the the private places in my heart. I need them to be pure before God. How many know that the enemy wants your thoughts to be unrighteous? And he wants your heart to be unrighteous. He wants to get your thoughts and he wants to get your heart so that he might get your actions so that you're like a, a puppet on the puppet string. Come on, you're not Pinocchio. You're not some puppet on a string that the enemy should get to dictate. You've been cut away from that as a believer. And you, my God, you're a believer in Christ. And our call is to be, our call is to be disciples of Christ. But being a believer does not automatically make someone a disciple. Being, how many knows if that's true, then just having a kid makes you a good parent. Just getting married makes you a great spouse. That's false. It's not true. Any more than praying makes you a prayer warrior. Come on, Brother Chris. Any more, than, any more than speaking in public makes you a preacher. Any more than taking a test makes you smart. I'm a believer. If I'm a believer with word, I ought to be a believer with action. If I'm a believer in word, I'm a believer in action. And it causes my actions to turn towards, to be like. I become a reflection. I want to look when I want the mirror to be Christ. When he moves, I want to move. What he speaks, I want to apply. I want to be a disciple. A disciple follows well. A disciple follows well. Turn in your Bible back one chapter, Luke 5. <clears throat> you all right? All right, Luke 5. Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. Came to pass as the people pressed upon to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into the one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said, Simon, go ahead and launch into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And he said what Simon did not want to hear. Simon's thinking, that's what I get for letting you use my boat. <laughs> Give you my boat, you send me back to work. Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we toiled all night. We didn't catch anything all night long. I'm ready to go home. You came and decided it was time to preach, so I stuck around. I haven't taken anything. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let, I'll, I'll let down the net. 
And when they had done this, same closed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They beckoned unto their partners, whistled, a, hey, come here. Business partners, here they come across the water. Hmm. Go and say something, okay? Here's my question. When Jesus has given you an instruction and you've heard Jesus give them an instruction, why wouldn't you already be close to them? Here we are working together. Brother Lopez, God gave you a word and said, listen, I want you to go do it. If I really trust that you've heard from God, I'm okay to stick close enough to you that you don't have to beckon to me. They get overwhelmed. Come here! I know we weren't going to fish, but it's crazy. Here they come. Come on over. And what happens? Read it with me here. They enclosed that grate. They beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship. They should come and help them. And they came. They filled up what? Both the ships. So that what? They begin to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him at the drought of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and they followed him. One of the first things that leads someone to becoming a disciple is mentioned in Luke chapter five in the first verse. They were eager to hear his word. They were eager to hear his word. I'm going to say something right now, and it's kind of tough because I'm the one doing it, but I'm going to anyway. If preaching gets on your nerves If preaching exhausts you, if you can watch a three-hour movie but not handle a 35-minute sermon, I'm just going to tell you right now, well, they're more entertaining. Our problem is we're entertained to death. We have no emotions to give to God because we've burned them up on Hallmark. We burn... We got no tears in church, but we'll cry over couples that ain't even real. We got to be careful what we're entertained by. Young people, you better hear me right now. Be careful what we're entertained by, because if you're not careful, you'll watch relationships on the screen that you cannot live out in life. Watch two people fornicating on the screen like, well, it doesn't really show anything. Well, it shows two people that aren't married going to, going to a room together. And then mysteriously, well, it didn't show anything because the sun just showed up and they walked out the next door. It was clean because it didn't show anything. It wasn't clean. The entire, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in it right here. The entire moment was telling us that it was okay that those two people who were not married were sleeping together. That's unrighteous. It's not godly. Here's why they wanted to be there. Because the Lord was speaking and the crowd was so intense that Jesus said, get me out of the crowd. Brother Hunter, they put Jesus on the ship and they moved him out. Brother Jake, first sound man, 
first sound man of the entire, right here. Here's the first sound man right here. In the entire New Testament, first one we see, Simon Peter puts him in his ship, in his boat, and he has to get his proximity just right to the rocks, just like these rocks. See how these rocks are that are along the edge? They would push them out a little bit from the bank, and as he would speak, his, his voice would echo off the, the walls. Sound men in, here in this room will tell you how these particular rocks on the walls help the acoustics. I don't know if that was the reason for the design originally, but I'm telling you, he pushed off a little bit, and the rock face of that shoreline, and Jesus began to speak. And Peter said, right about there is going to be just perfect. And they began to speak. And as he began to speak, the people gathered there and they listened. And as he, as he was speaking, he was preparing and watching. How much can I trust them to follow me? So Simon Peter's the first sound man. And then gladly he has to give up his workplace for ministry. My God, isn't it crazy when God messes with you in your workplace? How dare he? Jesus, how dare you show up at work and think that I could lay hands on that coworker and they'd be. Had somebody call me yesterday. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. Had someone call me yesterday trying to catch a flight. I was so glad I didn't have to get on a plane this week. He called me and they were telling me about travel woes and said, I was supposed to get on the flight. I was so mad. Said they kept delaying my flight and then they changed me. But Logan said they changed my flight, put me on another flight, and didn't even tell me. Said I ran out of the club, out of the Delta area, and I ran all the way down to the gate. And when I got there, my name had been taken off the plane. Said, you have a, you have a, a ticket for the plane in the morning? No. Oh, oh, the devil is a liar. No hotel rooms in the, in the city that could be found. Had to call and make, thank God, worked out, got a hotel room. Said, I was so mad, called my wife, so mad, pastor friend of mine. And my wife said to me, now you tell the church <laughs> that sometimes God has divine delays. He told me, he said, I didn't want to hear it. Divine delay, more like a devil delay. He said, but I listened, went and got a hotel room. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, Brother Carson. He said, the next morning I showed up and walked and sat down on that plane, still irritated about the delay from the night before, still, still irritated that I wasn't back in town for a meeting I was supposed to be having, still frustrated about the whole thing. And I sat down in a row. He said, and all of a sudden I opened up FaceTime. He said, my son was at a Bible quiz tournament. And when I got done with that call, the passenger next to me, a 28-year-old precious Catholic young lady, looked over at me and said, that's amazing to see that you guys prayed together on the phone. He said, when she said that, we began a dialogue. Before you know it, I was talking to her about the power of the Holy Ghost and the name of Jesus Christ. He said, she looked at me. Listen here. She looked at me and said, this is not my seat. He said, I was thrown by it. He said, what do you mean? She said, my seat's back there. She said, but when I was walking by, he said, I looked behind, there was an empty row. She said, when I was walking by, something told me to sit in this seat. He told me on the phone, he said, nobody chooses the middle seat. And any of you that fly, you know that's true. If you choose the middle seat, you're weird. Okay? I don't want to sit by you on the plane. 
But she said, I was, I was walking by and, and something compelled me to sit in this seat. She said, I know it was because God was sending you to tell me about. Come on, disciples. Disciples of Jesus Christ, even when it's inconvenient, even when God has to get us out of our schedule, even when God has to realter our plans, even when it's not fun for my flesh, if he can use it for his glory, if he can use it for his honor. Simon Peter, this is not going to be convenient, but convenience and Christ don't often work together. If you want a convenient Christ, you probably want a Christ without a cross. I want a convenient Christ. I want somewhere where I can get a latte and a lesson. Uh oh. I want a drive through preaching session. It's not what Christ calls us to, He calls us to lifestyle. He calls us to lifestyle. Somebody say amen. So we, we, we've got this following that's happening. The, scripture, the scriptures are drawing people who desire to know God. Reading the Bible out of guilt or a sense of duty is not being a disciple. How many know that's true? I gotta read the Bible. Like, like uh, I understand sometimes you don't get it. Read it till you do. Spend some time in prayer. If you're not a good reader, you can listen to it. Can I tell you something too? Let's not be too judgy on people. I've seen people, oh, you're listening to the Bible. <laughs> I'm not listening to you. Come on now. I'd, I'd much rather you listen to your Bible than Fox. CNN. I'd much rather you turn on the Bible. I don't understand it. Read one you understand. Get the Bible in. Process it a little bit. The more that they desired to be near God, it affected the way they received the word of God. I need to tell you that proximity and passion work together. How many know there are people... I've watched, I've watched elders along the way growing up that were not even that literate. Not well-educated men. But boy, when they stood to preach. Who knows what I'm talking about right now? You let a man that could barely read get in the pulpit. I met a man one time, said he could not read until it was the Bible. I know, I know a lady, one of the most powerful apostolic musicians we have, could not play the piano. And in a time of prayer and fasting, Dr. Anderson, you'd know if I said her name, probably know who I'm talking about, went and sat down at the keyboard, said the Holy Ghost came on. She said, all of a sudden, I understood where my fingers went, what the keys were. Now, some people think that's hocus pocus. I, I don't. I think there's just spiritual moments. I don't think that it's an excuse not to work hard. She said, after that, it became hard work. Because if he trusts us with something, 
You let one of those men or you let a woman like that, you let a person of God that would get up and, and begin to seek after the face of God and begin to desire after the word of God. I'm telling you, the more that we desire him, please catch this, the more we desire his word. The more we desire him, you cannot separate God from his word. We cannot separate God from his word unless we want to take this and begin to cut out certain scriptures. I cut out the things I don't believe and I'll leave the things that I do and I'll cut out judgment, but I'll leave promise and I'll cut out the miraculous, but I'll leave the grace. That's not how this Bible works. If we believe in the truth of scripture, listen, the disciples had to choose him based on whether or not it would cause them persecution or promise. Because there were going to be times, Brother Mac, when they're standing with him on the shore and there are people whose eyes are popping open and whose arms are extending and whose leprosy is falling off. And he's going, they're going to be standing there when Jesus walks through a funeral procession and touches the coffin and a boy sets up and mama goes, woo, the whole deal. And then it's fun to be a disciple. I'm going to tell you right then, that's when somebody jumps on the organ and they say, when the spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart. That's when everybody loves to be a disciple. I'm with Jesus. One is. One is. That's fun. It's not nearly as fun when there are pitchforks and there are fires in the dark and there are swords strapped on the sides and there are people with blood on their breath. But he's the same Jesus. And if I'm a disciple, I don't get to just follow him when we're having good church. Come on now. I don't get to follow him just on a Sunday night. When I'm a disciple, I got to follow him into Monday when somebody makes an accusation against me. I got to follow him into Tuesday when my family's in the middle of crisis. I got to follow him into... Sometimes I just got to crawl into Bible study on a Wednesday night when I barely feel like it. And everybody... Everybody might be against me and hell's got a red target on my back. But if God be for us, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Disciples follow regardless. How many know that even disciples struggle with prayer meetings? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't make it to prayer. I was so sleepy. We've all been there. Some of you that are faithful on a 7 a.m. Zoom prayer. Somebody that ever been planning on that and you, your alarm went off, you just didn't. Who's ever, who has ever woke up and you know, you know, you don't remember but you know your alarm was set. And you used the excuse even though you thought it probably wasn't true. I'm so sorry, my alarm. <sighs> my alarm. How many know the disciples slept through prayer? Not just any prayer meeting, pretty important. Of all the prayer meetings to sleep through. You... You got Judas in the, here they come. And you got the, where's Jesus? He 
he's not back yet. How many remember time after time he shows up? Are you kidding me? You can't, you can't stay up with me for one hour. Now, if anybody in your life would do that to you, you'd be like, they are abusive. <laughs> Brother Ross, you hold your Thursday. They'll be in here praying. If you walk somebody, by somebody and they were sleeping, just, they didn't mean to, they just nodded off. Got in a holy hum, just. If you went by them and just gave them a little tap on the back of the head and said, how dare you be sleeping? They'd never want to come back. I, I was tired. Jesus was not afraid to challenge them on slumbering when they should be in spiritual warfare because he could see ahead. He could see ahead of I'm going to tell you right now, I believe there's a little something that ties together Peter's sleeping and Peter's denial. Battles that you cannot win privately, you will not win publicly. And when he is slumbering, you're right, man, I'm, I'm, I'm. he's slumbering and he should have been praying. And God forbid that we be called to be his closest disciples in this hour and followers of Christ. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you can hear it or not, but there is a ring. There is a call. There, there is a cry for prayer and for intercession in this hour. There is an awakening. And, and if you can't feel it, you need to feel it right now. God is moving through the people and he's shaking us a little bit. And he's saying, don't sleep right now. Pray. Seek, develop. And the reality is that if I don't develop in prayer, I cannot develop relationally with him. Why are you so concerned that we pray? You're here, but I won't be. You can be frustrated with the interaction between Christ and the disciples if you're not careful. If you, if you cannot look at it in a broad and in a, in, a, in, a, in a macro sense, you can become very frustrated at his interaction. Uh, you can find yourself wondering, why is he, Brother Robeson, why is he so tough on, why, why is this happening? But he's always got this larger sense and scale that is there. He's recognizing, if you cannot learn how to do this, you are going to be woefully inept in the season that's just ahead. How many have found that what you develop during tough seasons is what would keep you in the next one? Many of us here today have found that what we learn to develop during a tough season is what was going to guard us and keep us and help us in the next season. And so here they are. They've, they've, been, they've, they've had this meeting and Jesus has... has, has preached and taught, and then they're sent back out. He's gathering disciples. And here it is. They have just, Brother Travis, they just caught the biggest catch of their life. The, they have, they've had good days. Listen, Pete's got his own business. They've had good days. Them sons of thunder, James and John, they've had some good days. They have had some Instagram post days. They have had some big fish days. You know the kind where you hold the fish a little bit farther out so it looks bigger? They've had 
some good days. But they've never had boat sink days. They've never had days so good that he calls them over and says, hey, get over here. We cannot do this by ourselves. And calls them over. Can you see the smile on their tired faces? They didn't even want to fish. They didn't even want to fish. Brother Amato didn't even want to go back out. They didn't even want to get back out on the water. I don't even, and that's where they were. They start the trip like that. Brother, I don't even want to be here. This is ridiculous. I give him my boat. Now I'm back out in the water. Quit looking at me, Andrew. Why you grumble? Quit looking. I'll cut your ear off. I'll cut your ear off. I got an ear cutting mood. <laughs> Some people get that. Some people are lost. <laughs> he cuts a guy's ear off later in the Bible. Sorry. He, James and John are over, kind of got their own boat deal. They start getting beckoned over and their grumbling turns to rejoicing. So much, the nets are breaking. When you're catching so many fish with broken nets that the boat's sinking, means you're probably catching big fish too. Not just the quantity, but the quality. Pulling them all in. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a boat with too much weight, but I have. I've been in a boat that we tried to get too many people in. I'm not talking about a big old boat. Some of you people think cruise boats, okay? Bunch of Royal Caribbean folks. That's not what I'm talking about. I was on a boat. No, not that. I'm talking like a John boat. If you've never been on a John boat where you tried to get too many big boys in it and never got to where the water, the water's like playing peekaboo with the side. <laughs> I've, been, I've been in boats before where I thought this is a bad decision. And they're in the boat. The boats are so full that they're starting. Guys, that's a good day of fishing. It's a good day of fishing until you recognize that my best day fishing doesn't compare with being close to him. Peter, this, this ought to be the greatest day of your life. He said it is, but it's not because of these fish. Because we're about 50 yards from where I'm going to forsake all this. Peter couldn't get to the shore fast, the greatest catch of their life. And they could not get James and John. They bring that other boat. They come trudging in. They got a whole, whole boat full of fish, both of them piled up there. And Jesus says, why don't you follow after me? They forsook everything and followed him. I got personal friends that have, that have passed up on some big things. And there's people, there's probably hundreds of people in this room right now that you could be in different places of career. You could be in different places in the world, but your choice to follow Christ is what kept you. And it, it might've kept you from a few dollars, but it kept you from a lot more heartache. It kept you from a lot more vile things. And here they, here they are. They come into the ship and they forsake all. Watch though, immediately, immediately when it happens, Peter falls at his feet and says, depart from me. If I'm not careful in an emotional, in an overwhelming emotional time, I will respond incorrectly. People think, well, Peter's being humble right there. Peter's not being humble. He's allowing something to flow out of his mouth as an emotional response that is contrary to the circumstance. 
And if you're not careful and if I'm not careful, we will get in an overwhelming scenario and we will allow an emotional response to speak death instead of life. Thank God that Christ stays when we say go. Aren't you thankful? Christ stays when we say go. They barely get any further. Stick with me and I'll be done in five minutes. They barely get any further. And Christ says, there's a guy I want to join the team. Really? You know, James and John kind of look at each other. I don't know if we need anybody else. They're the sons of thunder. These boys are bad to the bone. Got Simon Peter, got it. Hey, we're, we're going to add somebody to the team. You sure? I don't know if we need them. We're going to join. We're going to add a lot of people. Following Christ is not the opportunity for you to try to be a big fish in a little pond. <laughs> I don't like anybody that has the us four and no more mentality. So all of a sudden he walks up. I'm going to tell you who they're not ready to join the team. You ready? Can you handle this for a second? He picks Matthew. Now you remember, I've just talked. We've just preached. We've just had this incredible catch. All these fish. And Jesus walks a little bit and says, hey, 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 I got somebody I want to join the team. Get that jersey out of the bag that I told you about. Yeah, yeah, the large one. The lar I thought I could have the large Get the large one out. Don't you see? Simon Peter pulls it out of the bag. Who's it for? This guy right here. I can see Peter standing on the side. I know he's not talking about that tax collector. I know he is not talking about the dude who expects me to come up and pay tax for the fish that I've been catching. Because it was the normal custom of the day that when they would be out there catching fish, that there would be a tax collector. And I'm going to tell you, they did not like tax collectors, especially people that they felt like you have turned your back on us anyway. And now you're going to expect a tax from me. I'm going to take a tooth from you. That's what I'm going to do. And brother Justin, Jesus says, I know you think you have a personality conflict. I know that you think that you have lifestyle conflict, but I'm going to teach you that if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to get along with people in this life that you couldn't in your previous lifestyle. I'm going to teach you that it's more. <laughs> well, I don't like them. I understand. I know you don't like them, but you've got to believe that Christ can change them. I don't, I'm not, I'm not eating dinner with no tax collector. You weren't there. I came in, had, I had a bad day fishing and he was sitting at that chair and I told Andrew, I said, I will whip him today. If he asks me, pastor, that's not. That's not there. No, I need you to understand the human side of the text that when here come Peter and Andrew, here comes James, here comes John, when Matthew is selected, he's going to put people in the same compartment, not so that they could learn, so that the world can see. When you follow Christ, it's not about your job that defines you. It's not about your name that defines you. It's no, no, no. It's not your profession. It is your confession. 
It's not what you do. It's not whether you're a fisher or whether you sit at the table. No, it's not whether you're blue collar or white collar. It's whether you're a follower. It's not whether you punch at a keyboard all day or whether you move dirt for a living. It's not whether you operate a piece of heavy equipment or whether you gather somewhere in a small cubicle. It's not about any of that. It's not about whether or not you look the part or you talk the part. It's about whether or not you make up in your mind. I'll be a Christ follower anyway. Well, I don't like him. Well, I love him. So how can you love me and not like him? Because loving me will, please catch this. Loving me will change the way you treat him. Loving me, <laughs> loving me will change the way you treat each other. Because if I'm not careful, I will treat you different based on what you do or what you look like or. But when I link up and when. When I get somebody next to me, you ever had anybody that doesn't know about construction but tries to play along? <laughs> it's how I am with a car engine. I was thinking about this this morning while I was, I was praying about this message. I, you don't, if your car is broke, you don't want, Brother Sleva, what did you say the other day at that funeral? Screwdriver that you could listen to the engine? Brother Lopez, I don't know. I mean, I got a lot of trust in him, so I believe it. You know what I would hear? Nothing. <laughs> wouldn't make any sense. Cars broke down outside. Wouldn't, wouldn't do that. You wouldn't call me. I wouldn't come rebuild your carburetor. You say, Pastor, how do you change oil? I say, go to Jiffy Lube. Oh, pastor, you can't change oil. I can change oil, but anybody in here that can change oil knows it's just about as cheap anymore. Just go let that guy in that shop pull in. He'll talk real nice. He'll check your wipers. <laughs> you don't want somebody that doesn't know the job to try to do it. But let me tell you right now, even though I don't know how to work on an engine, there's a lot of people in this room that do. And while that's not our common thread, we have something so much greater than that that binds us together. Amen. But Michael, I don't know how to do electric. How many times have I called you about electrical stuff? I, I don't. Thank God I'm still here. I tried one time. I can do basic stuff, but I tried one time. Thank God it was a rubber handle. That's all I'm going to say. Say, <laughs> I went to talking in tongues and rebuking devils. <laughs> I don't know how to talk. I don't know. I'd call, call a buddy the other day. I said, there's, there's a black wire, a red wire, and two white wires, and none of them work. He's on the phone, electrician from Illinois. He said, uh, he said, well, this is what you need to do. You need to connect this one and this one, connect this one and this one. This one, you need to just put a wire nut on and leave it alone. You know what I said? Before God, I said, well, that's what I was thinking. That's <laughs> 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 ah, what I said. What I was, oh, forgive me. That's what I said. That's what I was thinking. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. And, and shocking. But Kevin, it worked. Perfect. Text him 10 minutes later. I said, you're a genius. But that's not what binds him and me. 
It's not what binds us together. We got ladies in here right now. Ladies in here that could bake stuff. Oh. Oh, I feel a spirit of discernment or a stomach of discernment. I feel. Sister Mike Kirk, we got, we got ladies all over this room that can bake. Who in here can you, you know, be honest. Some ladies know, you know you can bake. You, you're just, you're not, you're not being proud just a little bit. You just, you just know, come on, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, you know you can bake. I need to tell you something on behalf of the church. We love you. We're thankful for you. You're a blessing. Okay. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to have a discussion about baking, I'm not your guy. You want to talk about eating? But if you want to talk about now, did you use the butter? Did it? I didn't know the butter had to be ice cold when you started. Did you know that butter had to be ice cold when you were putting it in? I don't care about any of that. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what baking soda means. That's not what binds us. Any, any more than what section we sit in binds us. Or any more than what neighborhood we are from binds us. Or any more than what our last name, that's not what binds us. And Christ was teaching them. It's not about who you were. It's about who I'm developing you into. Because the ending of his statement is, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And to anybody else, it sounds weird. And if you know your Old Testament, you can go to Jeremiah and you can recognize it wasn't just in the New Testament where this is spoken. Jeremiah 16, he had talked about fishers of men a long time ago. But in fishers there, in Jeremiah 16 and 16, he is talking about judgment, the gathering for judgment. But the Greek here that is utilized in the gospel that we're preaching from in the book of Luke, when he's talking to them about fishers of men, the Greek is actually translated of catching men alive. I'm going to have you go out and gather vessels. I'm going to have you gather men for the gospel. And if you think you have been good at this, I'm going to take what you've been able to do. You've been able to have people come by the table. You've been able to get people into the net. I'm going to gather some more and we're going to gather. We're even going to get a trader in the mix of them, but, but we're going to bring people together and you're going to recognize that followers turn to disciples and disciples multiply. And the more that they multiply, the greater it'll get... Now listen, I understand that I'm going to go into prayer and I'm going to pick out 12 apostles, but it's not going to be the segmentation of the group. I'm not going to be breaking apart so there's some elitism group. There's some, there's some group that cannot be gathered to. No, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm building disciples so that it can be a model for everyone that following me is attainable. And that's what I want you to know as we close here today. You can follow Christ. Yeah, well, I don't, I didn't grow up in this church. I didn't either. I didn't either. How about you? I know his past. <laughs> yeah, but I, I got a lot of problems. Good. He's got a lot of answers. No, you don't understand. I am messed up. Good news. He was bruised for our iniquities. I, I, got, I, got all kinds of, I got all kinds of judgment on me. Great news. He whom the sun sets free. 
I don't know if I can follow him. I need to tell you today, you can't choose not to follow. You, it leads to heartache. It leads to pain. It leads to turmoil. There's people all over this room that walked away from God for a season and could be the greatest testimonies in this room. There's nothing in that world that is worth walking away from following Jesus. It's full of heartache and turmoil and pain and regret. I'm telling somebody, you can follow him. You can follow him. Stand with me in this house today. I want to follow him but I want to follow him close enough to be a disciple. Close enough to be a disciple. If I'm going to be a disciple, it means I got to stay close enough to lean on his word. Being a disciple does not mean that I will not make mistakes. Please hear that. Greatest tactic of the enemy is you make a mistake and then you got to treat it like an alcoholic that fell off the, well, might as well just give up. No! You messed up. Get back up. Move forward. Aren't we thankful for the grace of God? I messed up. I, I don't think I can ever find grace. That's a lie from hell. That's condemnation. That's not right. You can follow after him. Listen, if Judas can be a disciple... That's why we got to be careful not to discredit others. If only they could, if only they would, let's let him be the decision maker. Won't you lift your hands with me in the room right now? Uh, felt a strong word in prayer this morning. I want to share with somebody with our hands lifted and praying all over this room. I need you to hear me right now. If you seek fortune instead of his face, you will be a failure. If you seek fortune instead of his face, you will be a failure. There's not going to be fulfillment there. But if you'll seek his face. Ooh. I need the prayer warriors to begin to pray. I need men and women of God around this room to begin to pray with me.